Now, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. I have two messages left, as I mentioned this morning. I'm actually going to preach the last message of the Sermon on the Mount tonight, because the other one, actually, I'm going to preach on next Sunday. It really is a Sunday morning message. I want to preach that, and that's the, where Christ goes over the three roads to hell in the Sermon on the Mount. So I'll preach the three roads to hell next Sunday morning. But I'm going to finish tonight the last portion of the Sermon on the Mount. As Christ is tying this all together. And he finishes with an illustration. of As he finishes this message and, and uh, basically letting, letting the people know let's see who's going to be wise and let's see who's going to be foolish. He said, those who are going to be wise are going to be the ones that are listening to what I'm telling you and obeying it. And those who are foolish are the ones that are just going to ignore what I am telling you right now. So Matthew chapter 7, and let's, let's look at the last portion of the Sermon on the Mount, verse number 24. He says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these things, that people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I ask your blessing upon the service tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified and honored. Please control what I say and how I say it. I pray this would be a true help to us. Lord, help me to stay focused on your word and true to it. Please use this, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, I don't know, just a few weeks ago, I went to Nome with uh, Brother John and Brother Ross, and one of the problems you see in many of the village areas deals with the foundation. And uh, Nome was the biggest area that I'd ever been in. Um, I've been to St. Mary's with them and whatnot. That's just a small little area. I didn't quite notice the problem, the foundational problems that these places have until we went to Nome. And then you get an idea of what they're dealing with because of the shifting ground all the time and the, the nightmare scenarios that have, that trying to provide a good foundation and, and how to do that. Um, the same thing we just, of course, sent Greg and Matt to St. Mary's. And one of the issues that they were looking at is trying to figure out a way in the spring, at least, to try and do something for the foundation of the church house and, and the house. It's the same structure that the Warrens are in in St. Mary's because of all the foundational issues that you have. And of course the foundation is just incredibly important. The, the tallest world structure uh, in the world is the Burj Khalafe. Um, and it is in Dubai. It is incredible. It, there, there's not another structure in the world that really even comes close to it. Um, it is 2,717 feet tall. That's Think about that. That's more than a half a mile high in the air. It, it's easily over... The, the next building close to it isn't even... It really isn't even close. I think there was one built just a couple of years ago now that just went over 2,000. When this was built, the next one... It was, when it was built, 
it was more than a thousand feet higher than the previous world's tallest building. I think they have a structure built now that just went over 2,000. So it's still not on the ballpark of this one that's going closer to 3,000 feet. It's incredibly tall. It can hold 12,000 people inside of it. 12,000 people. Of course, it costs more than a billion dollars to build this thing. It has several world records still to this day. It is, of course, the tallest man-made structure. That includes the, the previous one. It discounts any structure. The previous tallest structure was a radio tower. This thing even well exceeds that radio tower. It has the most floors. It has 160 floors in it. That will give you exercise if you work on the 160th floor each day. It has, to go with it then, it then has the highest elevator in the world. It's also the fastest. Now, this elevator might be fun. I don't think you'd be able to tell if you're going to, but it goes 40 miles an hour. That's how fast the elevator goes. 40 miles an hour. And uh, so it's an impressive structure. I mean, the architecture of it, the, 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 the engineering, I should say, that goes behind that is really is impressive. Um, but, of course, that's just what we see. But more important and impressive is what's underneath the ground that's allowing that structure to stand up, the foundation. Obviously, we realize if this thing does not have a good foundation, this could be nothing but a huge mess. But it has a pretty impressive foundation. The foundation itself goes 164 feet deep into the ground. They had to pour just about 60,000 cubic yards of concrete, which in itself weighed 120,000 tons. Amazing. The foundation alone, working on it just about every day, took more than a year to get the foundation ready for the structure. Obviously, a strong foundation is incredibly important. Really, it's true. When, when you see people that, are, that, that the Lord is really using and strong, we're not talking ministry or pastors. I'm not talking about that. I'm just dealing with, with those that you know. Man, that's just a strong Christian. And you need to understand this. What's behind that is the foundation of their life. Behind any truly great life is a solid foundation that is in place. Now, as we see in our text, and I'm going to probably focus this a little bit in the first point, two structures can look very similar for a time. They can look pretty close to the same, but it doesn't mean the foundation is the same. It's when something comes along to test the foundation that it becomes clear which structure is solid and which one is not. We know that here in Alaska when earthquakes hit. You can begin to tell who had a really good foundation in place for it and who did not. So in our verse here, in our text, Christ speaks of two builders. One who was wise and one who was foolish. The difference is the foundation. The house being built is basically a picture of your life. And what the key to each house notices is not how it looks on the outside. It can look pretty good for a while. It's what's on the inside. It's what's on the foundation. That's what makes a difference. <clears throat> and so Christ, when he's finishing the Sermon on the Mount, he's given 
a series really of commands, of principles, and he's, he's deconstructing the pseudo-Judaism that had been established. And each of these points, he was really going after that. Getting the focus on what's really important. He started with the Beatitudes, and, and he went from there, and really showing the way up is down, going the opposite the way of their thinking. The importance of humility, the importance of meekness, the, important, the importance of genuinely seeking God. If I talk like Elmer Fudd now and then, just ignore that. It's a gift, all right? Not many people can do that. <laughs> and then he goes on dealing with in Sermon on the Mount how we are the salt and light. How he came to fulfill the law. That would, that would have shook under their core when he was talking about that. That he was going to fulfill the law. And then getting into, it was true of their day, it's true of our day, how we can view sin in a very wrong light. He gets into the fact, you know what, I'm going to judge you as a murderer at the point of anger. He said, you have heard of old, thou shalt not kill, but I say, who is ever angry at his brother without a call shall be in danger of judgment. Then he went on to deal with the, the command of adultery. He said, oh, you might not have committed adultery. I'll tell you what, if you looked on a woman with lust after her, that's where I'm going to judge you. So he was trying to change, because they would focus so much on the outward and leave off the heart where some serious, deep sins lie. And so as he's concluding this, what does he go to? The heart, the foundation. So there are similarities between both the structures. Both of them built a house. One on rock and one on sand. By just looking at both houses, you might think they were the same. They used the same materials. They built houses. Again, from the outside, you cannot tell a difference. But there was an enormous difference in the foundation. And don't worry, things will come up where it becomes clear what your foundation is. So, let's look in our text here. The first one he brings up is the wise man. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, that's a great way to finish a message. He says, but he tells him, if you're going to listen to me, you're wise. If you're not, you're a fool. That's what he's doing right now. Says the wise man here, I will liken unto him wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. So here is the wise man who chose to build this house on a solid foundation. He says the difference between the two is going to be simple. It's the one who hears and the one who obeys. The one who hears and obeys. It's not only just hearing the teaching, but it's also the obedience. I'll focus a little bit more on that when I get to the foolish man. This is a man right here who is willing to work at his faith. What the wise man did took more work. That's just the reality. It took a whole lot more effort to do what he did than what the foolish man did. And where Christ was speaking, the people needed to dig down to get to rock in order to build their house correctly. It took work. It, it, I remember when we were building the house in PNG, and I had to, we had to dig 
a whole lot uh, for the leach field that we had to put in. We had to get to rock. It's all, if, not, if you don't dig way down there, you had to get to rock so it could seep through. And you had to dig and dig and dig. And then find the Lord had blessed. There happened to be a road company coming through, and he had a, uh, what's one of those digger things? Excavator, thank you. I can't think of the word. The digger things. <laughs> and they had one. Now, it was really old, but I asked him, I said, I asked the operator, because it's just in person. He gets paid, you know, probably like 10 kina an hour. I said, if you'll take that to my house right now, I'll give you 50 kina. He said, I'll do it. So he brought it to my house, and he starts to help us dig with this excavator with it. And I've already got the whole set for the septic tank. That's there. That's nice and big. But we just, we, and I was told where we were building by other people, it takes a long way before you actually get to any rock, any what was called cornice. There's a reef islet before you actually got to reef. And so he comes up, and little did I know that he has, he has it's, there's hydraulics in there, and that's what's controlling the arm. He has this enormous hole in the holes. Every time he would hit it, whew, this stream of hydraulic fluid would come. And then he told me, he says, you're actually going to have to get me like this five-gallon thing, a couple of them, of hydraulic fluid while I'm doing this. And so I did that. I went and got it and so he can suck up all that hydraulic fluid, but I didn't care. I, I didn't want to dig. And But sure enough, he dug and dug and dug. And then finally, the Lord of blessed, literally the arm was completely extended and we heard clunk, like, oh, did you hear that? And we, we went down and we cleared it all off and sure enough, it was just almost all cornice, and we were done, except for having to go fill that hole back up with nothing but rock, which took quite a while to collect all those rocks and fill all those up. But that was going to be essential. If we don't do that, if we don't do that foundational work for that, I'm going to have a mess on my hands. It's true of your life as well. The foundation for your life is so important. And Christ puts the foundation in simple terms, hearing and obeying. Hearing and obeying. That's what helps build your foundation, hearing and obeying. We're, we're willing, we're, we're almost like Naaman. When we hear sometimes the simplicity that is in Christ and in the Christian life, we don't want to follow it. You know, Naaman heard through the little maid that had been taken captive. Hey, listen, there's a prophet in Israel. He can help him. This guy's name's Elisha. And so he goes there, he goes to see Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 5, and, 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 uh, and Elisha's servant is all, have, Naaman's coming to see you. He, he is the commander of that day, the world's greatest army of the day, and he's in charge of it. He's the commanding general. Everybody knew who he was. And he's letting Elisha know, listen, he's here, he's coming to the house. Elisha doesn't even get up to go see the guy. He sends the servant to the door. He goes and tells them, the Lord will heal you. I know why you're here. You go, tell them to dip five times in the Jordan River, and the Lord will heal them. Or is it seven times? How many times was it? Seven times in the Jordan River. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. Tells them, stop laughing at me. Tells them to dip seven, seven times in the Jordan River. And of course, what was his initial reaction? What? He was mad. Elijah himself didn't come to the door. He was offended at that, because look who I am. Elijah was serving Almighty God. There's no comparison, buddy. None. He didn't care about that. And so he goes away, and then finally his servant talks. He said, listen, had he told you to go climb some great mountain, would you not have done it? And he thought, I would have. He goes, well, it's just something simple. Why don't you try it? And of course he did. And the Lord honored. He went there, dipped himself seven times in Jordan River, and he was healed. 
Many times we miss the simplicity. We, we think it's going to be some grand notion. Hear and obey. Set aside the, many times the presuppositions that come into our thinking that prevent us from obeying. How, how you know when you get convicted of something, but all of a sudden you have this like little built-in mechanism that dismisses that level of obedience, why you don't need it? It just, whoop, it's gone. Okay, yeah, I don't need that. That's just Pastor McGovern. You know, I, I know I don't, they don't have old-fashioned Sunday there. They have it every week. <laughs> Good, amen. <clears throat> now notice, the wise man did not have any less storms in his life. The floods came, the rains came, the winds hit. I bet you his house took damage. I bet you it did. I bet you during some of those serious storms, I bet you his house took damage. But you know what? It was still standing. It was still standing. Listen, in life, I got news here. Wise and foolish, we're going to face really difficult times. The key is the foundation. Hearing and obeying. Just be willing to submit to the Lord. <clears throat> His obedience, because the wise man was obedient, built upon the rock, it provided him with true security. His house was established. It prevented all his work from being in vain. As we're going to see, the foolish man's work that he did do is going to be for nothing. It's going to be for nothing. No, I think of verses when it deals with obedience and success, like Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. That principle is tied in throughout the Word of God. It's your foundation. So we just don't hear it, but we have to obey. And in doing so, as we take those steps in life, we're building a strong foundation. That when the winds come, the rains come, your house is still standing. Now let's go on to the foolish man. <clears throat> Verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Here's that foolish man. He hears, but he doesn't obey. He listened. He was there. He heard it, but I, I, I'm just going to ignore that. I'm just going to ignore it. I can build my life this way. I can build it upon the sand if I want to, but the problem is there's nothing to hold that house up when those rough times hit. Again, on the outside, both the houses look the same. And they look similar. But there is a vast difference between them. Again, it's not until something comes that tries you. It's not until that storm hits that the difference becomes evident. See, on the outside, everything can look the same. But you let something come into your world that changes it. Now we get to see what the foundation is. Because storms begin eroding away. We built our, our Sunday school house in PNG at the work in Kudu Kudu. On sand. We were on the Nambas, the beach here. That's where the church ground was. And uh, it was a simple bush house structure like they did. It's just one of their bush houses. There's, 
and uh, we cut posts and just put them in the ground, and we built it in a day, a, a regular bush house. We used it for a Sunday school room, and that lasted, I really don't remember, I think two years before I came in one Sunday morning, boop, it was like that. That's what it was looking like, just like that. <clears throat> Now, why in the world would somebody build upon, not build upon a rock? One of the biggest reasons is there's a lot more work involved. But there is. The reality is, there is work to the Christian life. There's work involved. The foolish man took a lazy way and easy way out. Luke 6, in dealing with this, it says that the wise man had to dig deep in order to get to rock. So there's work involved in it. There are, there are times in life when you have to dig deep. It takes effort. Don't look for the easiest way out. Look for just simply what's right. Whether that's more difficult or easy. Just look for what's right. Too often we simply don't want to be obedient. We don't want our Christian life to cost us anything. We just want the benefits of it. And then you build your life upon sand. And basically what it means is this, your Christian life becomes superficial. It's just surface area. Just surface area. Provided everything's right, it looks okay. Everything looks fine. Here's a quote from one of the commentators. He was talking about these verses, pink, and he said this. He said, they bring their bodies to the house of prayer, but not their souls. They worship with their mouths, but not in spirit and in truth. They are sticklers for immersion or different doctrines, but they take no thought about keeping their hearts with all diligence. They boast of their orthodoxy, but disregard the precepts of Christ. Just superficial. The easy stuff. I remember I was, I was with, I, we had him preach a family camp here, uh, pastor, real name, Silvertooth, if you remember him from Louisiana. And I had him up, and I got to know him on debutation. He was Brother Lebeau's pastor. And so, and when I met him on debutation, we, we became close. We just hit it off. We could talk and fellowship. And, and uh, he had gotten on the subject of, he had brought up the subject that he was, I think he was just recently at a meeting that somebody might know him, that Phil Kidd was preaching. And he had preached up in here in Alaska for a few years, and, and he no longer does, and that, that's a good thing. And uh, he, he advertised himself as the most controversial evangelist, all right? And so Brother Rusty had brought him up to me and said, he said afterwards, it was at a bigger church. He said they were out in the foyer or somewhere like that after the preaching. And he said he was with several pastor friends, and they were all just talking, man, that is some tough preaching right there, and going on and on. And, and he just said, he just said he, he said he stopped the whole conversation right there. He said, no, it wasn't. He said he preached on the easy things. If you know who he is and how he preaches, you know what I'm talking about. It's just all the outward stuff. That's all it is. With a lot of yelling and name calling in between it. And he said, it's just the outward stuff. And then he listed heart issues. He said, that's the tough stuff. That's where the preaching gets difficult. So this is a person on the outside can look just like it, but he's not willing to put the work in on the foundation. A lot of times there's plowing we need to do with our life. 
There is plowing. Look over in James chapter 1. Let's look at different examples, you know, of different sand or, or things like that. Maybe that's how I'll word that. When we're disobeying God's word, going your own way, doing your own thing. You know, Pastor, I've got my own interpretation of that. By the way, I, 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 I want to make this point. I have never done that, nor will I, and I, and I was accused of it. I have never, 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 never even, never even crossed my mind. Have I created a definition for a word to fit something I am teaching? Never. Never. What I probably did was did more than a Google search like you did and came up with a really good definition of a word. But I have never created a fake definition to fit something that I am teaching or preaching. There is no truth to that whatsoever. Let's see what James says about hearing and obeying. James chapter, chapter 1, verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, obedience, be not a a forgetful here, but a doer of the word, this man shall be what? Blessed in his deed. And then he gets into a vain religion after that. Isn't that interesting? The same principle Christ is bringing up, the importance of, of not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. And the danger is this. I mean, we're dealing with people who are, are in church, if you will. That there's a danger that you can deceive your own self. To, make, to, to just convince yourself, listen, it's, it's almost like, again, we, we put our Christian life in a, in, in, a, in a box. I can move now. They said they moved the camera back. They told me before service, they were really kind to me. They said they moved the camera back and made it wide angle because I've been gaining weight since I said that. I, that was really good, Philip. I appreciate that. that was, you're such an encouragement, brother. And we put our Christian life in this box area. Basically, tell the Lord, everything in this area, this is where I'm going to serve you. But I'm not going outside of it. I'm not going outside of this. This is where you have me. Again, you, you're, deter, you're telling the Creator, this is where I'll be obedient. Beyond that, you don't got that. That's mine. You're figuring out a ways to tell yourself how you don't have to obey. You're deceiving your own heart. Again, we can have things that we put in our life that, again, prevent us from obeying uh, our approach to the Word of God, uh, how how we view it. Again, just, and here's the danger. Because your house looks similar to the wise man's, you think you're all right. Because your house looks the same, you think I'm good. Just wait till that really bad storm hits. That's when it becomes apparent. And don't worry, the foolish man was foolish. It wasn't like he didn't know a storm one day wouldn't hit. He just thought it would hold up. He was wrong. He was wrong. (laughs) 
I mean, we could probably all think of those. I, I can think of those in my life where I thought they had it all together. Boy, they crumbled. Nowhere to be found now. When the storm hit. Again, the reality is it takes work, Christian. It can take some deep digging at times to get a good foundation in. To stay faithful. Again, look for reasons why it can be done instead of why you can't do it. Put your mind in the right area with it. And then figure out, put things in place to do it. Just build the foundation. Have it in place. And Christ does make it simple. You hear and you obey. So put yourself in a place where you can hear and obey. And then you'll watch God bless. Isn't it amazing? We can bring people up here right now, testimony after testimony, where how God began to work in their heart, how they began to obey and obey and obey. And just saying, Lord, uh, whatever you want. Lord blesses that. He honors it. So the difference between the foolish and the wise man was simply the foundation. It was simply the foundation. Your life can look perfectly fine, but it's when a really tough storm comes that's going to test what foundation you have built upon. So you need to examine that this evening. How was your foundation? With heads bowed and eyes closed. Now, is anyone here you say, Pastor, I, we, I know we only have one returning visitor here this evening, but maybe this has been bothering you. It's been on your heart and mind, and you're just not certain. Say, Pastor, listen, I, I'm just not certain. I am genuinely converted. Please, I need you to pray for me. Is there anyone here like that at all? Say, listen, I, I, I am, I've never been genuinely converted. I'm not certain what's going to happen to me when I die. I am concerned. Please pray for me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and let me see it? Just some small children is all I see. All right, Christian. How's your foundation? Of your, of your life. Christ simply said, He who hears and obeys. That's building upon a strong foundation. But just to hear and turn away from that mirror when you see what needs to be done? Oh, no. You're building upon sand. And stand. If you need to come and pray, you pray. Father in heaven, bless this invitation, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Turn to page 391.